Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. And good evening again. I'm Paul James along with Al Jones, Mike Pence, and Kamala Harris face-to-face with social distancing and plexiglass. They took a variety of questions over an hour and a half. How did it go? We'll ask our guests and we'll try to break it down. Joining us once again, Republican strategist Jessica Proud, who is also communications director for the New York GOP, and Dr. Esther Fuchs, professor of international and public affairs and political science at Columbia University. She is also director of whosontheballot.org, which is an online platform aimed at increasing voter participation in New York City. So welcome back. Before the debate, we kick things off with Jessica Proud. So we'll begin now with Dr. Fuchs. Overall, Dr. Fuchs, how do you think it went? Well, clearly, it was a much more informative debate than the presidential debate. There was less interruption, although there was more than I would have preferred, obviously. Uh, Three things come away from me in terms of thinking about this debate. This is an election where there is a clear choice for the American people. You know, those of us who teach American government Oftentimes, people think there are no real choices. It's Tweedledum, Tweedledee. There's clearly a difference on very important policy issues between these two candidates that were that were articulated by the vice president can, uh, candidates. When it comes to COVID, when it comes to the economy, when it comes to the a woman's right to choose, when it comes to reforming criminal justice system, and when it comes to bringing the country together around issues of race, ethnicity, um, we are and religion, I think uh, we have a clear choice in this election. There couldn't be two more candidates as represented by these two vice presidential candidates with more distinctive and different positions. And we're going to see some, whether if we can get a fair election and we don't have voter suppression and um, we actually engage in an honest way about uh, our democracy in the next next uh, several weeks, um, we will have an outcome that really chooses a candidate, I believe, on the basis of significant differences in issues that these vice presidential candidates clearly articulated, uh, despite some of the obfuscation on some of these questions. Jessica Proud, same question. Your take on the debate overall? Yeah, I think it was exactly um, what I predicted. I thought the vice president was 
calm, collected, and extremely well-prepared. I thought he did a great job of making the case for the Trump record and reminding people of the promises that the president made when he ran in 2016 and uh, how he kept those promises and whether it was um, evening the um, the the playing field on trade deals, the, the historic booming economy that we had that uh, really um, has benefited Americans from across every de demographic, including record uh, low unemployment levels for women, African Americans, and Hispanics. And I and I do think that um, you know I, I agree with Dr. Fuchs that this election will uh, come down very much to a choice between. Uh, the candidates on those issues. I think you saw a very strong distinction on the tax cuts, which you also saw in the presidential debate of uh, Vice President Biden and Harris doubling down on repealing the Trump tax cuts. We still don't have a clear answer for them. Um, they're trying to backtrack on what they would do in fracking, which is very re re relevant in uh, Pennsylvania, which is a, a, a swing state and, of course, the economy and foreign policy. But I, I think, you know, it is important to keep in mind both candidates were very clearly prepared. I think um, I suspect that some of uh, Kamala Harris's facial reactions tonight, some of the smirking uh, did not probably go over well with a lot of viewers. Uh, we'll see how that kind of plays out over the, the coming days. But, you know, the universe of undecided voters is very small at this point. So I really look at this through the lens of, of them, um, you know, people tuning in that haven't made their decisions yet, particularly in those swing states. And I do think that the economy is going to be the overriding issue that they vote on. We will continue our discussion with our guests in a moment. But first, we're going to check in with our Al Jones. Al? You know, Paul, maybe I'm too much a perfectionist. Maybe I'm asking for too much. Maybe it's because I'm radio and I'm listening and I don't like people talking. Over. I just wonder why the moderators cannot have more control because right off the bat, Susan Page seemed to have a pretty good handle. The two campaigns and the Commission on Presidential Debates have agreed to the ground rules for tonight. I'm here to yeah, enforce them. a very them. good job because there were a lot of times when they were all competing at the same time. Let Thank me you, also Vice say, the American people deserve to know. The American people deserve to know. Vice President Pence, I did not, excuse me, Susan, I did not create the rules for tonight. Out of that? I didn't. Now, okay, I'm picky because that wasn't the whole debate. Uh, there were only a few times that it got like that. But I always wonder why there can't be just a little bit more control. Maybe the moderator have a switch where they can turn off microphones and just kind of you know, a little more civility to it all. But again, this was not the presidential debate. This debate was, uh, you did get a lot of facts. There was a lot of policy in there, um, you know, and they covered a lot of ground. Yeah, maybe didn't, people didn't, uh, the candidates didn't answer the questions directly, but, you know, this is politics. But you did get a lot of answers and you did get a lot of information. And uh, you did get to hear from both candidates who are on polar opposites of the spectrum as to exactly how they stand on a variety of issues. So for that, for that part, Paul, I think the, the debate worked. And let's go back to our guests, Dr. Esther Fuchs, professor of international and public affairs and political science at Columbia. She's also director of who's on the ballot.org, which is an online platform aimed at increasing voter participation in New York city. And we also have Jessica proud who is a Republican strategist and also communications director for the New York GOP. Well, the first uh, question, as both of you predicted and a lot of people predicted, was COVID. 
I'd like to get both of your takes on uh, how that went for the individual. Actually, Jessica Proud, why don't you talk about how that went, how you think that went for both candidates? Yeah, I, I, I think that Vice President Pence, particularly in his role as the uh, you know COVID response czar, did a great job of setting the record straight on a lot of stuff. You know, the great thing about debates is that you can talk directly to the people. You're not going through the, you know, the lens of the media. And he stated flat out that, you know, China is the one that was responsible. They lied. The WHO lied. And what the White House did in record time, mobilizing PPE, ventilators, testing, you know, the vaccine, therapeutics in record time. And even look at just what happened in New York. President Trump gave uh, Governor Cuomo, everything he asked for and more. And, you know, you'll remember that Andrew Cuomo, pre the lens of election season, was praising the president's response. Uh, he sent us the USS Comfort. So um, and he also said, look, Dr. Fauci said that everything he told him, he told the American people and he took his advice. So I think he really did set the record straight on a lot of those issues. Uh, where I think the uh, Miss Harris came up short was really not offering anything that they would do differently. They criticized the Trump's response, but they have not said, you know, other than wanting to keep the economy shut down, what they're going to do that would have been different. So I think that they missed a big opportunity there. Dr. Fuchs. Uh, this is a sort of difficult uh, conversation here because I was in New York during COVID and uh, the idea that we were receiving the best possible support from the federal government in this period. I mean, I don't know if you know anybody who worked in hospitals or anybody who died, but I do. And so, you know, come on, Jessica, th this is, uh, we're supposed to be talking about the facts here. Now, I so are believe you saying that, that the Pence, governor lied? Did you, are you saying the Pence, governor lied about believe, what the president said? I believe that Pence did as good a job as possible in defending an indefensible record. I mean, that's part of the problem. 210,000 people died. You know, but this they is said that sensible. even under the best scenario that that was going to sound like Susan Page here, but Jessica, let her, let her talk because we let you talk. Uh, no, just, I didn't interrupt you at all. Okay, I'm going to turn your mics both off and let's uh, appreciate you both being here. But uh, Jessica, we did let you speak uninterrupted. So now it's uh, Dr. Fuchs' turn uninterrupted. Thank you. So 210,000 people died. Um, the idea that somehow you could characterize this as successful policy. We do, we do not have the virus under control. Every state has to come up with their own plan. We still don't have enough PPE to go around in this country yet. This is not a national plan, okay? I don't think there's anybody that would say it is. Now, if we look at the context of this in the debate, I thought that Pence did as good a job as one could do in defending the, the president on coronavirus, but the facts don't help out poor Mike Pence in this context. And I think that was the problem. And then Kamala Harris just did an excellent job pointing out the impact of the coronavirus in terms of taking lives, in terms of families and losing jobs, in terms of its impact on kids in school. I mean, this is ongoing. This has not, this is not going to stop unfortunately for us. We're going into a second wave and winter is coming and it's gonna get worse and we don't have a national plan. Governors are on their own and this is the United States of America in which we should be having a national plan in which the president leads. The president, you know, got out of his sickbed to tell us he can't put 
uh, another stimulus package in place when when we have enormous unemployment, when small businesses are closing all over the country, when support is needed. And there that's where there's no plan. And Kamala Harris articulated the economic plan that uh, she and Joe Biden would put into place. And really on this tax cut thing, if you say that one more time, I mean, I, it's come on, really, they want to rescind the Trump tax cut, but they have said very clearly that they will not be taxing anybody that makes less than $40,000 a year. So this is not... I believe it was 400. 400, excuse me, 400,000. We're all dropping our zeros here. $400,000 a year. So this is this is legislative. You can rescind one tax plan and you can put another one in place. So they will not be taxing people making less than $400,000 a year. So that is the plan. And it's like boggles my mind that you can stay, you're supposed to be helping us understand the debate, not reiterating the Republican line about the debate. So I'm, you know, trying my best to be balanced over here. I believe that that under the circumstances, Pence had an unenviable task of defending Trump's record. And I think he did as good a job as possible in defending that record. I think the unfortunate situation for him, you know, he had to, you mentioned fracking. He had to say, oh, last, you know, years ago, they said something about fracking. It's clear that Biden has opposed a ban on fracking. So, you know, they're doing what we're going to do now is bring in Al Jones. Al Jones, you get the next question. Uh, you know what I was what I was listening to too was the talk about the vaccine, and I thought that uh, yeah, Vice President Pence said again that the vaccine uh, should be ready and ready for distribution by the end of the year. Uh, so uh, the moderator Susan Page asked uh, Senator Harris, "So would you take the vaccine?" The doctors tell us that we should take it. I'll be the first in line to take it, absolutely. But if Donald Trump tells us I should ta- that we should take it, I'm not taking it. Yeah, but the Vice President was ready for that one. Your continuous undermining. Uh, of confidence in a vaccine is just it, it's just unacceptable. If you listen to the whole 90 minutes, you realize that they both kind of gave as uh, well as they got. Uh, they, they, they each got their wax in. Uh, I thought the the debate flowed rather nicely. Uh, they went through a ton of questions. And, and I thought that uh, for the most part, uh, I did kind of uh, smile when uh, both were asked, uh, because we do have a, a 74-year-old president and a 77-year-old challenger. They were both asked about uh, the, the power of tra- transfer of power or presidential disability. And they neither one wanted to touch that at all. So I thought that was kind of uh, amusing. Obviously, that's that's a no win answer on that one. Uh, but there, you know, for the most part, not a lot of name calling and not too many talkovers. And you got to hear what both had to say. And you got a pretty good uh, view of both positions. I want to bring in Jessica Proud and talk a little bit about health care. Uh, Pence and Trump ran in 2016 on repeal and replace. And that's a term we haven't heard this time around. They want to repeal and replace uh, the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. They are trying to uh, get it struck down by the Supreme Court. Democrats say the administration does not have a replacement plan. And key right now, as you heard during the debate, is the issue of pre-existing conditions. So what are your thoughts on how that issue was handled by both? Right. I mean, I well, I don't think, I, you know, there was a little bit of back and forth on that. They didn't get a chance to cover it, it too in depth. But, you know, the the Senate Republicans do have a bill, a plan that uh, protects pre-existing conditions. I thought the vice president 
um, you know, did mention the problems with Obamacare and why the, the party's been against it, which was hugely unpopular with the American people for all the lies that came out of the Obama administration about you being able to keep your doctor and people uh, experiencing huge uh, spikes in their premiums. So, you know, I, I, just repeating the lie that Republicans are trying to get rid of pre-existing conditions doesn't make it true just because the Democrats and others want to repeat that. They do have a bill. Um, I think if they had a Republican majority in the House, you would see it go through. We are running a little low on time. I do want to ask you about independence, after all, independence and undecideds. After all, it's really not about us. It's about them. Were minds changed tonight? Let's start with Dr. Fuchs. Uh well, I don't think anybody's mind was changed tonight. I, I just want to add quickly that this election is taking place in the present, okay? And so uh, to talk about the past and people who opposed Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act is not to realize that the vast majority of American people have come to love their Affordable Care Act, their Obamacare, and they do not want it to be taken away. And they recognize that they currently have coverage for pre-existing conditions. And while the Senate may have a bill, once the Supreme Court knocks down the Affordable Care Act, which if, if it does, there will be a, a lull, a space in which pre-existing conditions are not covered. And if something isn't passed, then they aren't covered. So it's like, it's sort of like the economy. Oh my, the economy was roaring when we started. Yes, it was because Obama left a great economy in place. It is not roaring now. And people vote on the present. And that's a very important thing to take into play, into account. They look at the economy, how it is. We have high unemployment. We have tremendous job loss. We have a lot of very, very sick people as a consequence of COVID. And we have a divided country because the president can't figure out how to disavow racists and anti-Semites in a way that, and white supremacists in a way that people can really hear and understand what he means. So in the context of this this debate tonight, you know, I think that that Pence did as good a job as he could and that Kamala Harris, you know, did also an excellent job. Uh, I, I don't think that one could look at this debate and compare it even with the presidential debate uh, where we learned nothing and where basically uh, two people stood up there and talked over each other uh, with the president. And we do have a final thought or a final question. I said that uh, Jessica Proud would be up next. The final thought or question would be President Trump and Joe Biden are scheduled to debate next week. Will that debate take place? Will they physically be in the same room? Will it be remote? Your thoughts on that? I do think it'll take place and I do think it'll be in the same room. I think the president clearly um, has shown that he is, you know, um, if not fully recovered, close to fully recovered. And, you know, there's talks about him, you know, hitting the campaign trail again if he gets a clean bill of health. Um, so I do think it'll be hap happen. I think it'll be a, a great opportunity for him to kind of uh, take some lessons from this debate with, uh, you know, the vice presidential candidates that, you know, a more kind of calm debate where you can get your point ac across. I think, you know, Vice President Pence did a great job of talking about the Trump record. And now the president himself needs to do that in the next debate. Dr. Fuchs. 
Um, I actually agree with Jessica. I, I do uh, think that there is going to be a debate. I don't know that there should be, given the president's health conditions, but I think that there, in all likelihood there will be a debate. And I think uh, to take a lesson from this vice presidential debate for the, the two presidential candidates would be great. Do I expect Donald Trump to stop interrupting to stop ad hominem attacks, to stop calling names, to stop insulting people? Uh, no, I think that's a, a tactic. It's a strategy on his part because he cannot debate on the issues. Uh, Pence could debate on the issues, Kamala Harris could, but and so can Joe Biden, but Donald Trump cannot debate on the issues. So I don't expect it to be civil in any way if it takes place. I'm Paul James, along with Al Jones, and we would like to thank both of our guests tonight, Dr. Esther Fuchs, Professor of International and Public Affairs and Political Science at Columbia University. She's also Director of Who'sOnTheBallot.org, an online platform working to increase voter participation in New York City elections. Also like to thank Republican strategist Jessica Proud, who is also Communications Director for the New York State Republican Party. Thank you both very much. Enjoyed having you on. Our producer tonight, Oliver Sampson. Our thanks also to Dempsey Pilot and Jim Powers, executive producer, Ivan Lee. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t